Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 99. Happy New Year. Let me say that right off the bat. Um, hopefully you are all enjoying your holiday season in your part of the world. Uh, we, of course, are getting ready to ring in 2022. Uh, last year, everyone wanted to forget, for obvious reasons, uh, 2020 because of the start of the pandemic. This year, I think we all had a little bit better of a year. I mean, we did have the Euro. We did have, uh, we finished last season without a problem. We're in the middle of this season, although with some bumps. But uh, I think I'd be curious to see how would people feel about it in uh, 2021. But here we go now for 2022. And uh, I have to say, usually during Christmas, you know, during the holidays, you don't usually get a lot of big news. But since I last dropped this podcast episode last week, JJ is no longer manager of Benfica. Paulo Souza, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, is no longer, even though Poland's going to be playing in the World Cup playoffs, you know, when it comes in um, in March, has decided that he wants to go manage Flamingo. Uh, I mean, that's kind of out of nowhere. I was very surprised about that, so I want to talk about that. Um, we obviously are in the middle now. As I drop this, the middle of week 16th, uh, we've got the Classico, the uh, Liga Classico, second time in a week that we're going to be entertained by one, although last week there was nothing really entertaining for the uh, Benfica fans. Um, so there's been a lot of news, and not to mention the fact that we've had some matches postponed in Portugal, um, including uh, a match that took place was supposed to take place on uh, Wednesday between Família Kong and Bisad. And that match was postponed because Familia Kong is having uh, some big issues. Most of their, uh, I think their whole entire 23 squad is in uh, COVID protocol isolation. And they've got some issues with their senior squad. I think the cases were up to 11. Uh, and then Bisad, which, you know, obviously already lost the match. Um, they uh, actually, one of their managers, uh, the person that does their operations, not necessarily, of course, the manager, manager, but the person behind the scenes that does everything from set up the buses to the trips, you know, remarked on social media about, you know, how they found out about the cancellation two hours before and, you know, how convenient that was. But uh, there have been various situations. We saw a situation with Riuav and Covilla. They also got into a bit of a war in words because Riuav was looking to postpone their match. But uh, Covilla said they wanted to play, so they kind of went public with some statements. So that's been going on in uh, Portugal, too. But uh, obviously the big news is uh, the Classico, uh, JJ, and what is he going to do next? I've got a few ideas that I'll tell you. Um, and then, of course, well, I'm also going to talk about Paula Souza. But let me begin, like I always do, with the schedule, giving you a preview, review of the upcoming week. Um, and obviously... Um, We've got the Classico coming up, but first we saw, I thought it was going to be a very good match, Tundela, Gil Vicente, Gil Vicente, 3-0 win at Tundela. I was very, very surprised to see this, especially because Tundela was coming off the Taça de Portugal uh, win, uh, but no matter, Gil Vicente is uh, right now the seventh place team in the league. I'd be very curious to see if they can make a run at Estoril, because Estoril now 
you know, ever since their manager, uh, Bruno Pinedo, was the talk of Betsikas, um, they have not put together some very good results. I think they've lost two and drawn once. Um, you know, so things have not been going very well for Estoril. So does Gil Vicente have a chance? And this goes to show you that sometimes people get too excited about things. They don't realize that it's really 34 matches. And, you know, if you're going to get excited about your possibilities, you should probably wait until March or April. But uh, Estoril, did they peak too soon? You know, that's the biggest question now. And, and are the players responding to the fact that their manager was the discussion of going uh, to uh, Turkey. Um, you never know with the players. You never, never really know with the players. But nevertheless, big win for Gilles Vicente Maritimo. They were having some COVID issues. They asked Vizela to basically postpone their match, but Vizela said uh, no, that they wanted to play. Basically, because it's a very expensive trip for them to go to Madeira. And uh, they felt that Maritimo would have enough players. That's, that's one of the things that I don't think a lot of you understand, especially those that have never worked in professional football. Um, you don't really understand that a lot of these clubs in Portugal, I mean, obviously Porto Sporting, Benfica, Guimarães, even a Braga, of course, these are clubs that financially doing these trips is not really much of an issue. Um, a lot of them charter and all that. But when you're a smaller club in Portugal, making these trips to the islands um, is really very expensive. It's very, very expensive to bring. I mean, think about it. You travel with the family. Let's say, you, you know, your family. Let's say you've got like a family of four people, you, your wife, and two kids. Think about it when you try to go on a trip, you know, how much you have to take into account that you're paying for four people. Now, imagine along those lines doing the same thing for a team that features, you know, what, you're traveling about 18, 19 players, you're traveling the physio, a doctor, you're traveling a few assistant coaches, scouting, the social media, the communications people. You know, you're talking about 27, 28 people on a plane. You know, that's 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 a lot of money for these clubs. So uh, they, of course, said that they wanted to play, but Maritimo got the last word, winning 2-0 at home. Uh, Maritimo, let me tell you, has been doing very well under Vasco Siabra. You know, you take away the ugly loss to Benfica, and I think Maritimo really has been doing very well. They're up to ninth place now, 17th point. At one point, they were languishing at the bottom, but they are really doing a lot better. Moreirense defeated Estoril. Uh, big win for Moreirense. They give Lito Vidigal his first win after a few matches of no success. Uh, big win for Moreirense. Moreirense is still in 15th place toward the bottom. Uh, but nevertheless, they picked up the uh, three points. And then, of course, we had Guimarães, Boa Vista, always a very energetic match between two clubs up north. And Guimarães won, Boa Vista won. Uh, Guimarães has a number of people out with COVID, including Marcus Edwards. Um, but they uh, came away today with the draw. And then, of course, we saw Sporting beat Portimonense. Uh, Portimonense went up one to nil. Uh, then, of course, Sporting came back with the hat-trick by Paulinho. That gives him now six this season in the Liga. He's finally, by the way, starting to kind of live up to what people expected when they spent all that money to bring him from uh, Braga. I think you can honestly say in the last few months that Paulinho has definitely becoming the player that everybody thought he would be and that he was at Braga and he's trying to uh, show that uh, you know show that again with the uh, hat trick uh, Portimonense uh, look a good res you know a tough result you know scoring two goals in Avalad is uh, still a pretty good thing but uh, they still stay in uh, sixth place and then again 
14 minutes is having a great, great season. Um, let's not forget about that. And <clears throat> I don't think most of these clubs in Portugal, the smaller clubs, measure themselves to the results against the big three. They pretty much measure with the other, uh, you know, clubs in the Liga, the other 15, 14, 15 clubs in the Liga. That's really who they measure their uh, results against. But Sporting comes away, and that sets up a very interesting situation because now you have a situation where Sporting is three points ahead of Porto. Porto is going to be at home against Benfica. Porto wins, then they, uh, by goal difference, if I recall correctly, um, they would continue being in uh, first place. Um, if they lose or they drop points, then Sporting will end the calendar year in first place, which is you know what they really, really want. Um, and by the way, if Porto does beat Benfica, uh, it obviously, well, for me, it's not over. But obviously, Porto, Sporting uh, Porto would have a seven-point lead on Benfica. And um, you know I'll talk about JJ in a minute. But that's a big result uh, for uh, Benfica if they were to drop uh, three points. I mean, uh, look, we've seen teams, they beat down seven points and still come back to win the Liga. When Bruno Lage took over, Benfica was down seven points, if you remember, and they came back uh, to win. There was the year before that, I believe. You can look it up. Conceição and Porto were down seven points behind Rui Vitória and Benfica, and they came back uh, to win the Liga. So being seven points down is not a, uh, a sentence to be out of the title entirely. It just essentially means that you got a lot more work to do. But again, you know, Benfica, they don't have Otamendi, who uh, was sent off last week. They've lost Grimaldo because of uh, COVID. Um, but Benfica, with the new manager, Verissimo, will the players respond to Verissimo? Um, he did okay when he did the uh, stint a few years ago. Um, you know, after he replaced uh, Bruno Lage, But it wasn't, you know, he did beat Sporting, but he lost to Porto in the Taça de Portugal. But it wasn't necessarily a great thing. Um, if you remember at the time, there was just a lot of disappointment in the season and the fact that when, when everything resumed uh, because of COVID and they started playing again, you know, Benfica Porto were neck and neck for first place for a while. And then toward the end, they, uh, they basically just fell apart, Benfica. And this was a Benfica team, by the way, that had Ruben Diaz as a defender. Think about that for a minute. But, you know, the team just kind of uh, fell apart. And then obviously we know at the time J.J. came in, Ruben Diaz was sold to City, and Otamendi came in, and, you know, the rest is uh, history. But, uh, you know, again, not a very good thing with uh, J.J. But um, big, big result. Porto, no uh, Luis Diaz. Uh, interesting how the Portuguese press works because newspapers uh, record uh, my football, which I find to be a very, very uh, objective source, uh, all reported that Luis Diaz was uh, positive. Uh, Ojogo, which as you know, again, if you don't know, Obola Benfica records Sporting Ojogo Porto, tends to be the mouthpiece for the team. They always tend to have the inside sources. They came out and said no. We got to wait to the end of the day and see uh, what the PCR tests are. And obviously the PTR, PCR test came back later and, uh, you know, it came out uh, positive. So Diaz will not be playing, which is a big boost for Benfica that they don't have to worry about him, but still a very good team. Remember, Ivan Nielsen is all, was sent off last week. So he's not playing either. So that's two offensive players right off the bat. Will Tereme, who hasn't scored in something like 10 matches, is he going to finally score and get back on track? 
I think that's kind of something that remains uh, to be seen. But I think if there's ever a time that Teremi needs to step it up, or Tony, this is the time right now. Tony's been in the news with some Fiorentina interest. Well, if that is even true, he could certainly make himself uh, that possibility if uh, if he were to take care of business against uh, Benfica. So a big Clásico, full house expected. At least there was a full house of the Portugal. Um, I was actually traveling last week. And, um, you know, sometimes for whatever reason, I don't listen to the first few minutes of the game. And all of a sudden I turned it on and boom, they were, Benfica was already losing 1-0. Uh, but Porto was just that much better uh, last week. And obviously that contributed to uh, JJ no longer being the manager. Uh, I think it's different circumstances now, this match. Uh, Conceição was suspended last week, is back. You've got Verissimo now. And will the Benfica players, especially those that stood up, you know, again, this is what the report said, that there was a disagreement between PZ and JJ and that he was uh, sent off to go train at another field and apparently some of the players, uh, again, if reports are to be believed, didn't like that and kind of stood up for PZ and that pretty much sent JJ on his way to being left because he just didn't have the support to continue as manager. Um, are some of these players going to step up now? Um, there was talk when Bruno Lage in his last days as manager had an issue with players. The players got to step up. Players got to step up. I mean, uh, you know, granted, uh, Bruno Verissimo last night, you know, he held his training session with the team. He knows the players. They know him and all that. But Verissimo spent more time with a very successful Benfica B team, first place in the second division. This is when the players got to really step it up because, you know, even though there's somebody that's going to be yelling at them from the sideline, the players got to really step it up. And I'm just very curious to see because you lose, you're going to fall behind seven points. You draw, then at the very, very least, you're only six points, um, you know, behind, uh, you know, six points behind Sporting. And in the case of Porto, you also hurt Porto because now Porto is not in first place. And regardless of what you say about Benfica Sporting, anytime Benfica could do something to hurt Porto, that's always going to be number one on their mind. So this is going to be a very big match. And again, you, I'm not going to spend more time talking about it because by the time you listen to this, the match would have been over. But I think it's pretty obvious when you look at Sporting having already won, what's on the line here. And can Verissimo do what Bruno Lage did? Can he turn this around and get them back on track? I don't know. Who's going to be the future manager of Benfica? Uh, there were some reports that Rui Costa re asked Pirlo about his future availability. And we're going to be seeing a lot of reports. We saw a report about Paulo Fonseca that was reported to seek noticias. But at the end of the day, Benfica has said that he's going to stay as manager through the end of the season and then they'll bring in a brand new manager fresh next summer. And uh, there's plenty of time to speculate on that. But I will say this, though. If Farisimu does a very good job, I think he has a shot at keeping it. But if all of a sudden in the next month or two, Benfica starts falling behind a lot, don't be surprised if Rui Costa decides to uh, try to find a new manager that could come in and uh, stabilize the team. But, you know, we'll in fact, uh, you know, see what happens uh, with that. Um, and then also, just so you know, obviously no matches uh, this weekend in terms of Week 17. That's next week. But uh, we do have two matches. Uh, well, I should say there are two matches this weekend, two makeup matches. Uh, we basically have on Sunday, Vizela, Bisad. This is making up for... Uh, week 13 when uh, Bilan and Chesad, their whole team was in isolation and as a result they had to postpone that match. Well, that's going to be made up this Sunday, so there is a match 
on a Sunday. And then on Monday, you have another match that's being made up as well from uh, week uh, 13. And this is when Tundela at the time had a bunch of players that were in COVID isolation protocols. You remember at the time they had finished playing sporting. A lot of sporting fans were concerned that that was going to affect sporting, but that did not happen. Um, but you've got Tundela and Moreirens. They're going to be playing on uh, Monday. And by the way, you do have... A, uh, in addition to the matches on Thursday in the Liga, you also have a match on New Year's Eve, and it's in the second division. Um, you've got a match between um, Rio, uh, Rio Ave and Covilla. That was the match that Rio Ave was trying to postpone, but Covilla said, um, you know, that they wanted to play and let's go. And, you know, as long as Rio Ave has the minimum 13 players, which they do, then let's go ahead and play. So uh, there is a match on New Year's Eve uh, in the second division. And, and again, I'm very surprised that it's at 1,700 hours. Usually uh, they'll play some of these matches very early in the day, but this one is in the evening, and uh, we'll see. And, and by the way, there were some matches in the uh, first division on uh, Tuesday. I think one of them was the Moreirin, um I think one of the uh, matches that just uh, took place uh, week 16 um, I think it was uh, Moreirin Testoril, um, did not have a lot of fans. And I think Tundela was the other one. I think there was something like three, 400 fans in the stands. And um, I have always tried to stay away from advertising no n low numbers like that. Um, because number one, it's a Tuesday night, okay? You know what's going on with the COVID situation in Portugal. Portugal is a warm weather country most of the year, but it's not a warm weather country, or at least as warm as you'd like it to be in December. And playing a game on a Tuesday night is just not very attractive uh, to people. So this also tells you, again, when you talk financially about these clubs, that they're very small in terms of how big their followers are. Their big matches are always when the big three come to visit. Um, but some of these matches this week that had only three, 400 fans... Uh, you know, again, I, I, I try not to mention that because it's a tough situation for them, you know, with everything going on in Portugal. And um, I, I would say the fact that there is that many people there is a good thing for these clubs. I mean, it's, it's very nice. I mean, I always say that if I lived in Portugal 365 days a year, I know me, and I don't know about you, but I know me, even if it wasn't my favorite team locally, I would still go to the game. You know, to me, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, eating a hot bifana and, you know, maybe uh, just sitting back watching the game and uh, it's just you and the game. It's nice. But there are not a lot of people that feel that way. And like I said, it was probably pretty cold. And it was a Tuesday night. People are still going to be going to work on uh, Wednesday, even though I know most people are going to be working remotely. But most of them are probably also used to these days being home in light of what's, you know, going on in Portugal, especially with the fact that today... And I'm recording this. Portugal just recorded their highest case count ever during the pandemic. So obviously some very tough times. And they're saying it could get up into the 30s or 40s. That's pretty scary. But um, so anyway, we do have a second division match on uh, Friday at 1700 with uh, Rio Ave and uh, Covilla. And then we have these two matches, the, the one on Sunday and the one on Monday to make up the Liga. And then we don't have pretty much anything next week. It's kind of a break for most of the clubs, including this weekend. And then we get going next Friday, January the 7th, Santa Clara Sporting. Then on uh, Saturday, you'll have Estoril Porto. Big match for Estoril, sliding a bit. Porto, depending on what happens with the Classico, you know, that's a big, big match. Two teams 
going to want to get those three points for their own reasons, especially, you know, again, Sporting is playing before Porto, so Porto seems to always be playing catch-up uh, to Sporting. And then, of course, you've got Benfica on Sunday, Benfica taking on Cesar Pichotto and Passos de Ferreira. And then you've also got uh, Gil Vicente and uh, Guimarães, and that'll wrap up to another good match between two teams up north. And that'll wrap it up uh, next Monday. Um, Taça de Portugal draw came out the other day. Uh, Lessa, fourth division club, is going to host Sporting. A lot of people in that region very excited to bring one of the big three to their area. You got Rio Ave, Tundela, first and second division matchup. You got Portimonense against Mafra, first and second division matchup. And then you've got a pair of first division matchups between Vizela and uh, Porto. Uh, Porto just beat Vizela a few weeks ago at Vizela, so they'll be going uh, back there again. And uh, interestingly, we are not going to have a big three matchup in the final because the winner of Vizela, Porto, will play the winner of Lessa Sporting in the uh, semifinals, which are two legs, by the way. Um, so technically, Riuav, Tundela, Portimonense, or even a Mafra, they are potentially in a position to possibly make it uh, to a final. I think the last final we had where two teams played in the Tassel Portugal final that were not from the first division. I believe it was the year Desportivo do Chaves when uh, Chaves made it all the way to the Tassel Portugal final and they played Andres Vilas Boas and Porto, that big team that year, if you remember. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, Chaves won, I think, 6-2 to two in the Jamor. You know, back in a, a different time. Um, but uh, so it looks like we're going to have somebody new and possibly maybe even a second division team um, in the finals. So, and those matches all pretty much get going uh, in about two weeks from now. And there's, you know, there's going to be plenty of time uh, to talk about that. Uh, second division report uh, we've already got a few matches played. Uh, Porto last week beat FC Porto B, by the way. I think last week I kept saying FC Porto. Obviously, I mean FC Porto B. Uh, Porto B beat Penafiel 3-1. to one. Uh, We also saw over the weekend Estrela Madura. They lost to Chaves. Chaves has really been playing very well. Chaves is uh, basically now, I think, on four wins in a row. Uh, they've been doing very well. Uh, the biggest surprise was uh, second place Feirense from Feira beating Benfica B 2-1. to one. Uh, That was a match, by the way, Verissimo was supposed to manage that day, but that was the day that he got the call to go back uh, south because uh, he'd need to take over uh, training. But uh, Fadians with the big win. Benfica B now 33 points. They're still in first place. But now you've got Fadians in second with uh, 32 points, followed by Rio Ave and Casapia with uh, 27. And then Chaves and Nacional, who won earlier today, 4-1 uh, to at uh, Academico do Viseu. They are also with 26 points. So... You know, again, Benfica B, they can win the title in the second division, but they cannot get promoted. So you got a very healthy race where basically Ferenc with 32 points down to Nacional with 26 points. That's five teams looking for essentially two spots for promotion. And then obviously whoever's in uh, third place will play the 16th place team in the uh, first division. So uh, things really looking pretty good. At the bottom, Academic has been putting together some good results but they need to really get the more three points than draws. Varzim is sitting at the bottom. Uh, Fedentz from Algarve is also sitting at the uh, bottom. So uh, that's uh, that. And then uh, the, uh, so you got Rio Ave Cavilla on Friday. And then uh, on uh, Monday, you've got Villa Furokins, Casapia. 
And then there's uh, Varzim Finance and Les Chouines Mafra were both uh, postponed because of COVID issues, and they've been rescheduled to uh, later on this month and in early uh, February. But simply the word is, Benfica B clearly is the best team in the second division now, but now you're seeing Fadens, Rio Ave, Kazepia. You're seeing Shavs coming on. You're seeing Nacional, two teams with a history in the first division coming on, and they've been uh, doing uh, pretty, pretty well. Uh, also, one other thing, the Tasa the Liga is going to be taking place later this month, and the Liga today announced... It's a, a competition run by the Liga. Uh, the Tasa de Portugal is run by the Federation. But the Tasa de Liga final on the 29th of this month on a Saturday will take place at 1945. And then, of course, as you know, during the week, uh, we've got the other matches that are going on. Um, I thought I had the page up. Uh, but essentially on the 25th, Benfica Boa Vista. And then on the 26th, which is a Wednesday, you've got Sporting Santa Clara. And again, um, you know, again, like the Tasa de Portugal, you've got two of the four teams there that, you know, could possibly win this competition for the first time. But in the case of Boa Vista Santa Clara, they've got to beat Benfica and Sporting. But um, right now, uh, that's all said. And I also, by the way, I'm mentioning Tasa de Liga now because when we get to week uh, 20, um, because the Tasa de Liga is on a Saturday, there is no match on the Liga that Friday. Saturday, 29th, you have the Tasa de Liga final. Okay, and then that Sunday is when they're going to start week 20. So there will be no Liga matches the day before the Tasa de Liga final or the day of the Tasa de Liga final, so that the final of the Liga takes the total of attention from the press. And then uh, you have essentially matches on Sunday and Monday. And then depending on what happens with, uh, you know, in terms of who's playing in the final, their matches will be pushed to the following Wednesday, whereas whoever loses in the semis they'll probably wind up playing uh, that Tuesday, February the 1st. So again, the full schedule for 17 through 20 is at PortugueseSoccer.com. So uh, check it out. Um, and now let's get going. And um, I'm going to wrap this up. You know, this is going to be shorter because it's the holiday this week and I, I didn't really have a time. And uh, let me also say, by the way, very quickly, uh, I went, by the way, if you're listening to my picks and taking it seriously, shame on you. <laughs> but... Last week, a very bad week. Uh, I went 0 for 4 in my picks. The one I, I predicted Benfica would beat Porto, and right off the bat, after that very first goal, I knew I was in trouble. I predicted that Bissad in the Tasa de Portugal, um, I predicted that Bissad would have beaten. Uh, let me go to it. So I've got Bissad. I said that Bissad uh, was going to beat Riwav in penalty kicks. That match did go to penalty kicks. But Riwab won in penalty kicks, not Bissad. So that's how close I was uh, to that. Um, and then I also picked, uh, basically, uh, well, I pre predicted Gil Vicente and Dundela would be 1-1. Well, Gil Vicente won that, as I talked about, 3-0. And then I picked uh, Benfica B. Ferenc, and uh, Ferenc won that match. So I wound up uh, losing that. So not a very good week for me. I'm not going to pick anything this week. Uh, mostly because there's only a few matches and I don't know a whole lot about them, so I'm just going to start fresh. But I'm up to 59% correct. At one point, I remember I was at 78. So, uh, yeah, I suck. Uh, don't take me uh, too seriously on that. Um, and, uh, Lloyd, let me just talk first off about JJ because uh, really wrap it up about JJ and Paulo Souza. Um, when I was talking here last week, I we were talking about Flamingo. We were talking about how this was a very important match with the Tasa Classico. 
Um, but that at the time, remember the, the press were saying, were reporting that that result on Thursday wasn't going to make a difference for JJ's future. And now you look at what's happened a week later. It obviously did make a difference because there was apparently some player discontent about some things that went on behind the scene. And obviously Flamingo didn't play a big part in it because Flamingo now is uh, hiring Paulo Souza. But I said last week to you, okay, that when you, uh, when you work at a professional team or you work for an organization that makes a lot of news and is in the news a lot, okay, whether you're talking about sports, whether you're talking about being on a movie set, whether you're talking about being on a comedy TV show, there's always stories about what goes on behind the scenes that these people don't get along with each other or this or that. There's always stories. And the one thing I want to tell you is you never know the truth because the only people that know the truth are the people that are behind the scenes. And I think the fact that things deteriorated as quick as they did with JJ, because remember I said last week, we don't know what's going on, but if things are really, really bad behind the scenes, then I could see JJ leaving. And that's exactly what happened. I'm not saying I predicted that he would leave, but what I'm saying is, is that JJ, obviously things were really bad behind the scenes. And at the end of the day, the players had some issues, and J.J. decided uh, to leave. And it's just a very shocking thing for Benfica because let's remember, even though he was eliminated, that Benfica was eliminated from the Taça de Portugal, they're still alive in three competitions. They're still alive to win the Taça de Liga. They're in the round of 16 of the Champions League. Remember, they took out Barcelona. And they're still in the hunt for the Liga. It's by no means over. But at the end of the day, things were so bad at the end that Rui Costa and JJ sat down and they realized that the conditions were not there for him to continue to be his manager as things would only get worse. Now, as I said, they've hired Verissimo. I think it's a good move, but I don't know if it's a great move. And we'll see what happens in the next month because if Benfica starts to drop more points, I don't think he's going to last a very long time. They're going to be pressured to bring in somebody new, especially with the Champions League and the Tasa of the Liga, Final Four coming up. Um, that's what I'm very curious to see what's going to happen to Verissimo. Is he, can, can he be like Bruno Lage and turn it around? Now, Bruno Lage was very special. That six, first six months with Benfica, right up until when he beat Sporting in the Super Cup 5-0, was incredible. But I don't know if Verissimo didn't really show a whole lot. I mean, the results were okay, but he lost the Tassa final. I just don't know if he's going to be that good. But again, I can't predict it because, it, no, you, by the way, you can't predict it either. You have no idea. Don't be acting like you don't think he's a good manager or you think he's a good manager because he's got Benfica be at first place. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody. You're only going to know when the ball starts rolling and you play three or four matches to know whether or not this team is going to go after these, is going to, you know, accept the manager. And by the way, if things continue to be bad, then is the problem the managers or is the problem some of the players that are on the team? And, you know, Benfica spent $100 million last year. They spent some good money on Yarmachuk. They got to do something. So I think we'll find out if, in fact, the problem was JJ or was the problem is, is that this team just really is not as good as was advertised. And that, you know, is something that remains to be seen. Paulo Souza, um, very surprised out of the blue. First off, he was managing Poland. He had them in the World Cup playoffs. Um, you know, I think to me there always would have been an opportunity in the later future to manage our Flamingo. I'm just surprised by his timing. A lot of Benfica fans 
Noah Paulo Souza back in 1993, that whole controversy and, uh, you know, when he left, that whole thing. Um, but the point is, is it's just the timing that's unbelievable. And the Polish, as you can imagine, are very upset. Lewandowski was upset. I think there was one of their players that has played in the NBA even made some remarks. Um, you know, this is big news. I mean, here you are three months before the World Cup playoff and your manager leaves. And that's a tough situation. Now, I don't know. I mean, think about it. He's not managing in the next three months because he's essentially getting Poland ready for the World Cup playoffs. Now he's going to go to Flamingo, where, by the way, I know Polish love their soccer, their football. The pressure at Flamingo with 40 million fans is intense. So you kind of wonder, you know, why he, you know, unless it's money, I don't know. I think Poland pays pretty well, but I know Flamingo is a very big team. Uh, 40 million, by the way, supporters are recognized to have. So I don't know uh, Paulo Souza. He's been linked with a lot of jobs in the past. Um, it's just a very, very surprising move. And again, when you talk about what's going on behind the scenes and only the people that are there know, it, it, there's maybe got to be a reason why Paulo Souza decided to leave. Was he not getting the support he wanted? Did he see something that he didn't like that thought would affect the team badly for the World Cup playoff? You know, we don't know. I mean, right now, everybody's just angry at Paulo Souza. But we don't know the other side of the story. Maybe Paulo Souza one day, after a few years, talks about it and everybody finds out. I mean, now's not the time. Because um, right now, everybody's against him. But having said that, the timing is very incredible. I don't know how much money we're talking about here, but he better be prepared because I think of all the jobs he's had. And he's matched some big clubs, you know, Fiorentina. The Polish national team is very big, obviously. I mean, it's we're not talking talent-wise like Portugal or Spain, but the Polish have been known to support their national team big time. Um, you know, he, I, I think he's going to notice a big difference going to Flamingo. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm very, very surprised. I'm very surprised that he left the situation that he had and um, he's decided uh, to go. I bet a lot of Portuguese fans wish that uh, Flamingo would have come and gotten uh, Fernando Santos, but no, that did not happen. But uh, very, very uh, surprising uh, news. Um, and we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with his future. But, you know, one could argue Paulo Fonseca is entitled to make a living. But in this sport of football, the sport of soccer, where fans are very attached you know, their supporter groups to the extent that they travel all over the world to follow their teams. You know, people get very emotional. So we'll see. We'll see uh, what happens. Um, that's really about it. Uh, I just want to really talk about this. this is going to be shorter than uh, usual. Um, again, folks, I just want to say thank you for your support in uh, this year, 2021. The hits just keep on uh, growing. Um, continue to enjoy your comments. Good or bad, but thankfully most of the time good. Thank you for listening to me. I know sometimes I mix up my words. I think last week I was talking about Tasa de Portugal and I said Tasa de Liga once, you know. Uh, thank you for putting up with me, but that's just what happens when you've got a lot of things running through your mind and you want to say it all into a microphone. You know, sometimes things are going to be uh, mixed up. But uh, right now, let me tell you what we have to appreciate. We have to appreciate that we still have Liga going on. We're still competing to play for the World Cup. We have, uh, you know, teams still playing in Europe when it comes to February. Um, I, I just think that a lot of those things are still something for us to enjoy, even if we wish we weren't playing in the playoff. And, you know, 2022 could be a very special year, not just because of the World Cup at the end of the year, 
But hopefully a sporting of Porto or Benfica does well in their respective European competition. Can Braga do something? Um, are we going to see sporting repeat? Is Porto and Conceição going to eventually win? Can Verissimo come back and bring Benfica back from the brink of falling behind seven points? Uh, Braga, can Braga ever compete for top three? Right now, no, but it looks like they're going to be comfortable in fourth place. Estoril, are they going to continue to fall? Uh, Portimonense, how good are they? Can they get up to fifth uh, place? Gil Vicente, the little club that could, they're starting to show signs of life. Um, you know, those are the things that we have to look forward to, to this year. Cristiano Ronaldo, what's going on with Manchester United? Um, you know, all these players from the Silicon that are playing abroad, hopefully they bring their action in March. So a lot of stuff we could talk about in the upcoming months. But uh, the bottom line is, is we're still competing. And we got a big Classico coming up. Enjoy your New Year's Eve weekend. Hopefully you get a chance to t catch a deep breath and enjoy your time and do whatever it is that you like to do. And, uh, you know, say press for everybody. Let's hope we're all going to be doing okay during this uh, crazy time in the world. And uh, on that, I want to wish you all and your family uh, uh, Happy New Year. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody.